Hello, Paul. I'm Chris Hewitt, and welcome to this very special episode of the Empire Podcast. Did you know that we're 30 years old next year? I know, I know. We don't look a day over 28, but it is true. Empire Magazine launched in 1989, and because hitting 30 is such a huge milestone, we've decided to launch a full year of celebrations starting this year. Why? Because we can. So you may or may not have heard, but we have put together a list of 30, well, technically 31, as two of them are brothers, of the finest, most adventurous filmmakers plying their trade today. And we're dedicating great big swathes of coverage to them over the next year across the magazine, the podcast, and other media. How exciting. The first filmmaker we're focusing on is one James Cameron, who dominates the new issue of Empire on sale now in all good and evil news agents. The second is, well, the subject of this podcast. Taika Waititi has only made five films in Empire's and obviously his lifetime, but they are belters. Eagle vs. Shark, his low-key 2007 debut. Boy, his wry coming-of-age drama from 2010. What We Do in the Shadows, his hilarious vampire mockumentary from 2014. The magnificent and often mad and moving Hunt for the Wilder People, Empire's film of the year in 2016. And then, wasting no time whatsoever, last year's Thor Ragnarok, one of the best and certainly the funniest entry in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. One thing all those movies have in common is Taika's distinctive voice. The New Zealand filmmaker wrote or contributed helpfully to the screenplay of all five films, and so when he came into London last week to speak at BAFTA's Screenwriters Lecture Series 2018, we jumped at the chance to sit down with him in a boardroom at BAFTA and natter about all things scripty. So here is roughly half an hour of me chatting to Taika Waititi about his approach to screenwriting, how that varies across projects like Hunt for the Wilder People and Thor Ragnarok, and why Jermaine Clement is the only person he can write with. Oh, and much, much more, of course, including a pitch for a new Police Academy movie that I am now desperate to see. This was recorded in a boardroom at BAFTA, as I said, and so the sound quality is a little hissy at times. But hopefully, tolerably so. Enjoy. Okay, so I will give you a big introduction, and away we will go. Chris, why don't you introduce me? No one knows who I am. <laughs> Let's start and go. I just feel I have to introduce people. You have to. That's what I'm, Otherwise, I'm giving you the cue. You might not know who you are. I don't. I don't. I need a reminder every now and then. <laughs> uh, we are delighted to be joined in this very special Empire 30th Anniversary podcast. <laughs> <laughs> 30, 30, 30. <laughs> and now we have to give you commission every time we use that because mm-hmm. that is now our new theme music. Uh, Taika Waititi, how are you, sir? I'm good, thanks. Good. G- I'm g- here g- in g- London. Yep. Yep. Um, that's it. That's all I've got to report so far. Thanks very I much indeed for coming in. Yeah. It's, it's been great. Pleasure. Pleasure. It's been, it's been fantastic. So uh, you are here to g- deliver a screenwriting lecture. Or yeah. to listen to one? <laughs> I got tricked. How's it going to work? I got tricked into doing this. <laughs> they offered me a free flight. And I, was, I will do anything. I don't even care what it is. I'll say yes. And then I realize, oh, it's a lecture. And I don't know if I... Do I know enough about screenwriting to, oh, uh, to, we're about to, to be able to out. fill... In. Then I said, oh, it's probably you know, between an hour and an hour and a half. 90 minutes. <laughs> I, probably, I, can, I can probably divulge all of my knowledge in t- 10 Ten. Well, we've got Ten. half an hour here, so... We've got half an hour. We'll, we'll yeah. be talking about other stuff. We can do a staring contest, because that always works in a podcast. That always works in, in these uh, 
audio things, yeah. staring contests. Also because I'm pretty confident that I'd remain unbeaten at the end of it. But anyway, let's not put it to the I test. Was, before I sat down, <laughs> you haven't even noticed. I you were blinked. outside the room mm-hmm. staring, but right. technically speaking, that doesn't I had work. a special, a special uh, surgery in Hollywood to stop <laughs> you, your eyes from blinking. So I'll start, with a, I'll start with a little trip down memory lane for you. So Empire is 30 years old, technically speaking, next year. Mm-hmm. But we're starting our 30th anniversary this year just because Just we're like weird. I'm still technically 28. But You're I'm still technically 28. Officially, according to <laughs> the man, I'm 43. Let's take you back to 1989. Where, where were you? What were you doing? What was the young Tiger doing back then? 1989. Uh, spring, the spring of 1989. You know what? Um, 89. How old was I? 14? 13 or 14. I'm not 43. asking you. I'm asking myself. Well, yeah. If you're 43, so, then yeah. yeah. 13, 75, I was born. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. You do the math. I can't. I can't. <laughs> but, um, the, yeah, so I was, I was, yeah, around 13, 14, probably in the first, my first year of high school, I think. Okay. And um, loved it. I was very popular. <laughs> What you want to hear is how much I was bullied. I wasn't yeah. bullied. Okay. I was extremely popular. Yeah. No, I found a little, the first year I was, was I was really trying to find myself, but um, yeah, it was not. It was it wasn't my favorite. I, d- I didn't really love high school until about halfway through. What changed? But what changed is that you couldn't do drama until I think two or three years into into high school. Okay. Um, as like a you know you couldn't like elect to do it. You'd have like once every couple of weeks you might do like a, you know, some theatre games, you know, mm-hmm. or like a sort of shitty theatre sports sort of thing. But um, I didn't really – yeah, that's when I think I found – I was always doing art, I was doing art and music and, um, and those were my two favourite things. And then gone to drama around what we called fifth form. I don't know what you'd call it here, year 28 or whatever it is. Yeah, I think yeah. it is, yeah. And, um, so we had um, – yeah, so we, that's what we – we did. We started drama and that's when I found – a lot of my friends, my lifelong friends, and mm. um, and just felt like yeah, it was just something that I, I loved the idea of of telling stories and playing characters and making stuff up. And I felt like oh wow, this is like I thought they told you you weren't allowed to do that anymore when you when you got <laughs> to high school. And and there was like this one thing, there was one like throwback to when you're a kid that you, you know, got to go in and play games and be silly. And was I, there I loved a, that. Was there a particular spark, a particular film, or? An actor or a director that you wanted to not emulate? No, I, I never wanted to be a filmmaker. Uh, there was never, it was ne- well, a, it was never really an option. Mm. As you know, when people asked what you wanted to be, mm-hmm. no one ever said filmmaker, or dancer, or actor, or or even musician. It was usually f- like um, a, a deep sea diver for seaweed, <laughs> for the seaweed industry, or um, a fo- work in the forestry, yeah. or work in the restaurant industry. So. Yeah, so my, I, I didn't have, like, massive dreams of, you know, of, of doing what I'm doing now. That sort of fell upon me when I was about 20... Actually, 28. I've, see, I've mentioned 20, the number 28, 28 three yeah. times now. I'm also developing um, something where the number... With the, uh, 28 is a very important number in this ah, project as well. Interesting. I'll see by the end of this if you can guess what that project is <laughs> is, it, is it Thor 28 that's <laughs> exactly right how could, how could you possibly have known that I don't know we're skipping from number 3 <laughs> straight to 28 because all the other ones in between will be dumb I would quite like to see that yeah. I would quite like to see what you guys would come up with for, or Hunt for the Wilder People 28 or you yeah, know, yeah yeah Boy 28 we did have an idea of, of, of trying to do Police Academy 10 yes we only made 7 and uh, we thought yes. oh, we'd just go straight to 10 because you know, on the poster you'd say well we all know that 
seven, eight, and nine, that's going to be shit. So this is going straight to ten. Because that's a cool number. It starts with the funeral of of Kerry Mahoney. <laughs> that's it. It's very, very. This is much more somber affair than you might imagine from a police. Oh no, it's, movie. Not, it's not a comedy. <laughs> it's really dark. Still it's like Logan. <laughs> so screenwriting didn't really. St- yeah, I mean, Start I was always write, cre- doing creative writing, and I was always I was always writing stories when I was okay. young. Um, and then when I left high school and we started university, I was writing plays and one night plays and a lot of like comedy things and and sketches with my friends. And so I was always writing stuff, but um, usually for theatre. And then okay. and then in my late twenties, um, I, I guess because film was one of the last things I hadn't tried in the arts. I gave it a go and I wrote a short a short film that I actually originally it, it, um, it started off as like a little one act play that I was going to probably play and it was about three kids outside a pub where I grew up and um, and originally it was going to be myself and a couple of friends playing those kids you know like you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was just like a small little thing and um, and maybe I thought it might be part of a bigger play or something and I, d- I thought okay well this is one thing to test out see if this kind of this tone works and this this idea works and then I gave it to a friend of mine who was a producer she produced film in New Zealand and she read it and said suggested that I make it into a short and I just sort of went along with it and then yeah. after that it did really well and I got I got a taste for it and I made another few shorts and really sort of fell in love with it kind of by accident and then you know, I haven't yeah haven't haven't looked back well I have <laughs> I'm looking back now the rest <laughs> the rest, the rest as you say and as everyone says not just you is history I should stop saying that don't you think the rest is history and yeah. the rest is or history. the rest as, they, as say, they say is history everyone says it yeah the rest as they say is history as the they rest, say as everyone always says <laughs> the rest as you may have heard is definitely history but controversial statement and the rest is history <laughs> uh, I've interviewed a number of uh, screenwriters over the years as you might imagine and there seems to be a common theme between a lot of them uh, that whenever their early forays into screenwriting they didn't know the rules they didn't know about three act structures they didn't know about things like inciting incidents and you know arcs and sometimes those screenplays were the most successful those were the ones that got them noticed mm-hmm. and was that the same for you going back to those early days and your early screenplays? I yeah, I mean, I still don't really know the, quite the, exactly how you're supposed to format stuff when I'm writing. <laughs> and I'm not sure. Like I read, I read other people's scripts, and certain words will just be capitalised, and I feel like it's a really random capitalisation of words. And you know, in the uh, I don't know what you call it. I'd call it stage directions, but what, is yeah. that what you call it in a screenplay? I guess it is. Yeah. Mm, okay. Um, <laughs> it's a. So yeah, so that, you know, when I read those, and then I find like a lot of scripts that you read, they're very, um, they're very flowery the way they're written, and they're very kind of they just they just ramble on and on when they're describing a character or how. They, and it's also, and I really, like, I really don't like reading other people's scripts because of this reason, especially in Hollywood, where they you know they have character and to be like, enter Christine, twenty eight, wise beyond her years, uh, yet still. She has this uh, underlying sexiness that you just can't deny. And, you know, it's, all they're saying is yeah. she's hot. Yep. But we're not just going to say she's hot. She's been around and she's done some stuff. <laughs> she's sassy, as the Americans would say. Her oh, eyes have a sadness. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's all right. <laughs> that sort of thing. I just started off writing how I would write for, for what we were doing in, in theatre. Because I'd never, I don't think I ever have really written for someone else to direct 
or for anyone or to really get financing or anything like that i just mm. really wrote for myself so i just so most of my scripts the way they're written are sort of what exactly what you'd see on screen so this would be really like a roadmap for me okay and then I was like, blah, 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 cut to you know, to you know someone you know finding the bag of money and <laughs> but instead of all this super descriptive stuff most of my my directions are very simple and often just Almost like I'm trying to edit the final film in the oh really in, okay. in, in the script. Has your style evolved over time? As you, did you immerse yourself in other screenplays? Did you read people like William Goldman and no, yeah. no, I don't like reading other people's stuff. Yeah. I don't. I just I, I find unless it's I get sent things from um, you know from from my agents and stuff, and you I, I find it very up. hard to get through them. Yeah, um, and. Often, what ha- well, the good thing about reading other people's things is it just it bolsters my confidence in my own writing, and it makes me feel <laughs> like my ideas are still better, and that I should just keep doing those. Yeah. And not that, you know, so that my ideas are better, but they are. And <laughs> <laughs> they are, they are. no, for me, they are. I think <laughs> I, I just know what I want to make, and yeah, yeah it makes me want to write more. It makes yeah. me want to when, when I read other people's things. I think, wow, this thing got finance. Surely. <laughs> Surely I could do a little bit better, and surely I could get something else made. Um, you've you've done uh, throughout your career, uh, certainly on the, uh, on the screen. You've you've written short films, you've written episodes of TV shows. The Flight of the Concords is something that springs to mind. You've obviously written features as well. Is there a flow to what you write next? And, and might you still write short films? For example, now you're in. I do. I do position. still write ideas for short films, or I'll start. Or sometimes I will have. I've got a couple of short films that I've written that haven't been made that I might offer to other people. But some of them are so old now that if I reread them, I know they'll be ter- terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just like a little moment, this little window. I think you've got, and you've got to either make the thing then, or you have to be prepared to throw the whole thing out and start again yeah. if you read it seven years later. Uh-huh. I've got one I haven't read probably for over 10 years, which I thought was really good back then, but now I'm like thinking about it. I have a feeling it's not, it's not, not good. <laughs> I think the idea behind it is actually quite good, but I, I can tell already. I can, some of the lines of dialogue are coming back to me now, and it's not good. It's oh, not okay. good. So I could rewrite that now based on who I am now and uh-huh. what I've learned over the years, over the last 10 years, and it probably would be pretty good. You should do that immediately after this, or maybe even during this. I'm doing it now. You do it now. Get your iPad out. <laughs> that's the sound of that's typing. You could um, be in typing. Police Academy, by the way. <laughs> oh right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm typing my new script. <laughs> Ding. This is really, this is really coming together. I like it. Uh, <laughs> what was that sound? If anyone can guess what that sound, it was me turning the paper yep. up a little few more, and then twisting it, and then. <laughs> you know, remember that at the end of that TV show? What TV Stephen show? Stephen J. Cannell. Yep. <laughs> and it turned and it hit the other pile of paper and it turned into a C. Yep, it certainly did. Amazing. Guy created the A team. That's it. That's him. Do you have a did you have a pile of unproduced screenplays and how do you decide what to make next? At what I've point got a pile of unwritten screenplays, like the title pages <laughs> and about four pages, and then I've got ah God, I wish someone else would do this. I found writing harder now. Writing is a lot harder now. It's very it's found it I found it like just very lonely. It's just gotten lonelier and lonelier. The only person I've ever written with as a writing partner is Jermaine. Mm. And that's not lonely, but it takes seven years to get anything done so <laughs> there's that voice like oh okay well I'm not lonely but it's just taking too long or 
I'll just be lonely and get it done faster. But yeah. even then, now, I find it really hard to just sit there and try and think up ideas. Well, well but uh, obviously... I'm not jaded. I'm not no, jaded. No, don't, don't, don't. You shouldn't be at 43. Don't think that. You're not ready for the knacker's yard. No, 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 no. <laughs> oh no. Or are you? No, no. We're, you're, of course, you're not. Uh, so, Jermaine, the, the partnership with Jermaine, that, you know, that, which is an intermittent partnership, I, I guess. Where did that come from? And how did you know that this is the person I want to write with? This is the Lennon or McCartney to my McCartney or Lennon. I think we're like George and Ringo. <laughs> and there's probably better writers than us. Oh, they didn't write together. We met. <laughs> we should have. We should have like, got together with them. Um, <laughs> He's probably more like George. I'm more like Ringo. Um, <laughs> but sometimes it swaps. This stuff's pretty ridiculous. But we, yeah, I mean, we've, yeah, we've written together on you know, doing various things over the years. Mm. And um, we're currently, well, he's up in Toronto. I'm about to go up there to shoot some episodes of the what we do in the Shadows TV show for for FX, um, who picked it up. And it's a US spinoff. Yes. And, um, and yeah, yeah, it's. I mean, it's great that we got to do that. But um, him and Paul Sims and a bunch of other writers did all the writing on that, and I didn't. I didn't do anything on that. It was well, great. Did you Did you look at because you don't like reading stuff? But did you you come in and read drafts and go, "This is not what I would have done. This is bullshit. This is bullshit. Not what I would have done." But I can see how this TV show is getting made. <laughs> Excellent. So what was it about you, man? The click for you guys. Uh, we come from similar areas. We grew up yeah. in similar situations, and um, I think just had a very similar sense of humour. We, we we met around the time when comedy was having this like massive um, resurgence, a sort of uh, I don't say renaissance of comedy, even yeah. though it's been around for a long time. But it's like yeah, in the early nineties when it was like you know, people Infected. were saying like, oh, it was it's comedy's the new rock and roll, and all the comedians <laughs> were wearing like you know like walking around you know. On drugs and like wasted all the time and like leather jackets and like yeah. tight leather pants and, and so yeah and like pretending to be rock stars <laughs> and then getting on stage and just then telling jokes. Um, <laughs> so so we kind of came up around that time when uh-huh. when people were moving away from the more traditional styles of comedy. Yeah. So uh, so we got away with a lot of stuff and we got to do things that were very um, yeah it was like very anti comedy mm-hmm. and. Um, anti-comedy. What do you, how would you say? Anti? I say anti- anti-comedy. Anti, thank anti-comedy, you. Anti-comedy, yeah. You know, I've been in America a while and they, you know, some anti- of these things rub off on me. They pronounce things Garage. Like do you guys say oh, garage? No. No, we say no. garage. Yeah, garage. Or we say house uh, house for the car. <laughs> it's garage rock, not garage Car room. Rock. Put it in the car room. <laughs> Put it in the car bed. <laughs> Just for the night. <laughs> night car. Um, so, but most of the time, obviously, you write on your own and you yeah. say it is a solitary experience uh, yeah. writing and the, the the blank page can contain a lot of fears for people uh, how have you overcome those over the years do you, have uh, you just fill up the, for me I just fill up the page yeah it doesn't matter what I'm writing <laughs> just write and write and write and usually what I'd like for me it's just dialogue I'll just uh-huh. get one or two characters maybe introduce a third or something and just write conversations and not have any idea where they're going to go okay but eventually just like you know it might even be like ten pages of just talking and Free form, free flowing conversations. That eventually, you know, a chunk of that might contain a seed for for a bigger idea, or like you might look at like just a little couplet, or like you know, one page of dialogue, and and think that could kind of go in a sort of weird like 
gangster movie uh, that I don't know how to do gangster movies, but I'll put that aside and that might be good for something, you know. Or like, okay. you know and um, Do you play these conversations out vocally? Uh, sometimes. Sometimes yeah. I do just like hear, or hear characters. Most of the characters are just versions of me. They'll sound like, sound like me. So it's basically like me talking to myself a lot. <laughs> and, or like, like I came up with an idea for a character who wore sort of like... He just wore like kappa gear all, all the time, or he just wore track track suits all the time. He looked good, but he didn't have any pockets. Uh-huh. He was uh-huh. always asking people, and that just asking people like if, if he could, they could hold onto his phone and the cigarettes and stuff, because he was like <laughs> he always had to have them in his in his hands, but he could he never had pockets to put anything in. It's like the idea of a character with no pockets, because you know what it's like when you got no pockets. It's yeah. the worst. Oh, it's you, awful. You know, yeah, I don't have any pockets now, so that's my so, point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, what you do? You got? I see. I no, you do. do. I noticed those. I yeah. discovered them. It's amazing. Um, yeah, I, yeah I've, I've, and I've gone out a couple of times without pocket or with one pocket that's too shallow. Mm. You put your phone in, and it's just always it falling down. out, or you sit down and it falls out on the concrete, and then, yeah. Yeah, and then you're like, oh man, I'm going to smash my phone by the end of the <laughs> night. It just oh, causes man. more stress. So, pockets are very, very valuable, yeah, and something that I have a lot of respect for. This jacket so is a metaphor for life. Yeah, and so, and so this idea of this character came about from just, yeah, just writing dialogue for a couple of hours and just trying to come up with ideas and. And then this guy came, this character developed who didn't have any pockets. <laughs> and he just walked around the whole, the whole story, throughout the whole story. He just constantly asking people to hold on to his stuff. And then, how, have you got my th- you've, who's got my phone? And like, he's asking all his friends just to hang on to things. And there wouldn't be a movie about a guy with no pockets, but it's a good <laughs> character to have in a movie about something else. Uh, I'm going to throw one particular scene at you now. This scene was chosen for Empire's classic scene by Mr. Julian Dennison. And he mm. chose a scene from Thor Ragnarok. Guy. Oh, did he? Yeah, he did. He the chose movie the he wasn't uh, in. <laughs> movie he wasn't in. Uh, yeah, he, I told him he couldn't pick out <laughs> of the world of people. Yeah. He had to pick something else. Uh, he went to Thor Ragnarok. He went to the, uh, the, the introduction of Korg. Oh, yeah. The Korg and Thor scene. Now, I imagine you had a hand in writing that. I wrote that character. Yeah. yeah. I wrote all of his stuff. Yeah. And, I wrote, yeah. and a lot of the scenes that he was in, I would sort of rewrite just to basically cater to me and what I wanted to say in the scene and so I had a little bit of sway there because I was directing it and I was just like oh I think this character would do this because I knew I was playing it yeah. um, and then we would just improvise around it we'd do a version of that when we were shooting and then we would improvise around the version of the script and then we would like just improvise for a long time and just come up with other other things that weren't been, they had no chance of being in the script Yeah. but then eventually um, somehow I have no idea how, but somehow managed to, to make their way into the movie. Was that experience uh, obviously a different one for you because you were working in, within the studio system? Mm. You were working from someone else's script and changing it and adapting it where you could. Uh, what was that like for you? And was it at times frustrating, I, I guess? Well, the, the, the thing I liked about it was I wasn't writing the entire script. Someone else wrote it. And, and I've always, you know, whenever I've worked like that, I've always found, felt like someone else's script, or even my scripts in general, just a sort of just sort of a stepping off point, and you just you use that. You, you definitely get a version of the script. Mm-hmm. You shoot a version of that, but then you kind of see where else it could go. And so it's and, I, and some people like sometimes the, you know you hear about writers doing this um, arbitration thing for yeah. you know when they want to get credit for for writing on a script. And what I found interesting is that dialogue. So they have like a point system. You know, so let's say out of a hundred points, you know. Um, character development is you know, 30 points. Um, you know, setting up the scenes and, and the world and everything is uh, another 30 points. Anyway, dialogue 
in the system, dialogue is only worth about five points. So it's <laughs> worth nothing. So if you're going to arbitrate and like try and get a credit on a movie, dialogue is worth nothing. Wow. And improvising, improvised dialogue, and let's face it, improvising is not... It's not actually coming out of nowhere. People have, most of the time, people have thought about this and gone, okay, if I was to do an impro take, I'm definitely going to try this angle, you know, and see how this kind of comes out. Yeah. And, so, and so that is worth basically zero. So wow. you can't get any, because it's not officially writing. So the stuff so people you, remember when, so, in yeah, so like Yeah, so all the stuff that you would come up with on the day, even though it can really change the tone or make the character or even actually change the storyline sometimes, um, it's not it's not worth any of that stuff, but it is also my favourite way to work because I actually do consider it writing. I do consider improvising and and dialogue and all mm. of those things and the way people describe things and the way you know things that people say and it, you know, even if it's just even if it doesn't carry the story on, I yeah. think it's still tonally it, it you know it creates the movie. So I consider that to be part of my writing process is just improvising and coming yeah. up with things on the day. Has that always been the, the case, right back from Eagle vs. Shark? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Eagle vs. Shark, interestingly, we didn't do a lot of improvising because we had hardly any time, and we were basically scrambling to get out to make our day. And so only, every now and then I'd just suggest things to Jermaine or Lauren, or, you know, or, or they would suggest things to me and say, OK, well, we've got five minutes, we've got to do it, just have, have a go at it. And, you know. But we didn't, it wasn't like a lot of the, the, those Hollywood comedies where they... We'll spend an entire day on one scene improvising and like, coming up with <laughs> puns and you know, plays on words. and Basically, I call it like list comedy. Uh, they yeah, do. You yeah. Know, it's yeah. just like a scene and then they just they go through and then and it's always, always reference, um, you know, popular culture references and things else. <laughs> you know, like, and you can always tell when you see American comedies, yeah. Like someone will say something and then the other guy will go, Okay, Mel Gibson from Mad Max. <laughs> Let me tell you something, you know. And it's like that's like a classic. That's a classic. Yeah. You see, like the, they love doing that over there. <laughs> like, okay, Madonna. <laughs> okay, Madonna from the Vogue videos. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I know what exactly you just mean. cool your jets? Hunt for the Willow People was Empire's film of the year. Uh, the year it came out. Obviously, any other year would have been weird. And that was a film that you wrote over a period of years and obviously given that it's an adaptation was that again a difficult process for you and a different process for you yeah yeah well i wrote the first draft of hunt for the world of people in maybe 2005 mm-hmm. um and so and then we shot in 2015 so it was and you didn't change a word it, well, yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> no and so and but when i first wrote it it, it was not really a comedy there was not much in there yeah it was funny and again, my, I think I developed as a film, filmmaker in the storytelling. Even though I'd done a lot of comedy before I started making film, for some reason I thought that you just had to make everything depressing and arty. Well, and you, you still can do that, but it's okay to also add lots of jokes. And <laughs> so, I, so, so, yeah. So then, ten years later, when I relooked at the script, yeah, again, it was like some a completely different person had written it. But I'm glad that I had left that much time to just to. And I wasn't even thinking about it, but I guess in some ways, you know, it's somewhere in the back of your head developing mm. away by itself. And then when you go back to it, you kind of know exactly what needs to be done. And I, you know, so I went back to the script, and I think I wrote 
pretty much the shooting draft only in about two months and wow. after coming back to the script yeah. and just know oh this is the kind of story I want to tell and I changed it completely changed it and added all these different characters and um, and made it more of a fun adventure which still has you know has heart, has heart and has some some deeper um, mm. themes but but I realised what I what I wanted to make and you know and, and I wanted to make a film that has no does not have an f bomb in it. Uh, anywhere in it, which is it's like when I wrote the first draft of the yeah. script. If you would ever get your hands on that, which you won't, um, <laughs> it's full of them. Oh, really? Full of cussing, as they'd say. Hunt for the effing wilder people. <laughs> exactly. You potty yes. mouth. And, I, and and in the original, Sam Neill's character dies. Yes, he dies in yes, my, yes, in my yes. uh, original script. Yeah. Now, did you keep him alive because he's Sam Neill, National Treasure? Death by the cops. Oh, man. Fuzz. Those mothers. Did, yeah. you, did you keep him alive because he's Sam Neill, National Treasure, or did you just I spare just didn't him want to people out of this cool movie, and then suddenly it's like, <laughs> ugh, what? No, he's dead. <laughs> but you talked earlier on about how your screenplays, you, you almost edit the movie in your head before you've even shot it. Yeah. And... There's a moment in, in Will the People where, uh, where Heck obviously finds his wife dead and it's so sad. And then we cut to the funeral scene a and it's so scene. funny. Yeah. Did you convey that on the page? Um, I did convey that on the page, but I also shot a version of that where there were no jokes. I did just to back myself up because I knew if people fell in love with that character enough and then she died and then you went to a ridiculous funeral that people might just give up on the film mm. and they might just think, you know what, we can't trust that if we fall in love with another character for the next two acts that, you know, yes. you're not going to do the same to us. And, and there's something you've got to be a little bit respectful sometimes of, of that. Yeah, and yeah. So, so I did back myself and make the funeral, you know, a version that was just respectful of funerals. <laughs> but, also, <laughs> but also the funeral in the film is based on a real funeral um, that I went oh, yes. to in the speech from the priest i'm not religious so i don't know what yeah. they're called what do you call that pastor uh, priest pastor priest Father, minister something. yeah i'm the same minister yeah. um that's right it's a minister yeah uh it was basically lifted from this real funeral that i, that I went oh to my God. so no it does happen jot down notes it does happen it's all there taika it's been a pleasure as always thank, thank you so you much my friend. Friend. happy birthday here's Empire. another 30 years burst out of a cake brilliant thanks man see you about cheers that was taika waititi on screenwriting and we are delighted to announce also that he is the second filmmaker we are focusing on in the mag as part of our 30th birthday celebrations. So pick up the next issue of Empire on sale at the end of December. Not the one that's on sale right now, although we strongly urge you to pick that up as well. For more Taika than you can shake a pineapple shirt at. In the meantime, keep and peel for more special podcasts coming your way. There are going to be tons between now and the end of the year. Thank you so much for listening. See you next time. Bye.